Welcome to Emotional and Spiritual Well-Being, the podcast that balances psychology and spirituality, helping you achieve well-being by discussing how the mind, will, and emotions interplay with the spiritual and physical. Here is your host, Sharon Wegman. Good morning again. This is Sharon Wegman from Wellspring Solutions in Wyomissing, Pennsylvania. I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor, and this podcast is dedicated to emotional and spiritual wellness, blending together the mind, the body, and the soul to make healthy choices in in aspects. And today I'm joined joined by Kate Feiler, uh, my current intern here at Wellspring Solutions. Kate, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Kate Feiler. I'm I'm an intern here. I've been here for about a year now. And um, I am finishing up my master's program at Jefferson University for their trauma and community trauma program. So I'm utilizing a lot of what I learned there over here. And my specialty is um, trauma, but that comes in a lot of different forms. So I'm here helping out with these podcasts as well. And I like her to help me because we're both good at talking. (laughs) So today we're going to do part two of parenting and not doing manipulation in parenting. Um, This is going to be called the seven cardinal sins of parenting. And we're specifically focusing on not using manipulation in parenting. In Ephesians 4, 6, it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And exasperate means to irritate, to provoke, to a high degree, to annoy, to extremely annoy. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Kate, uh, Kate apparently used this in her childhood <laughs> <I> frequently. <laughs> yeah, I was sent to a Christian school, so um, that meant a lot of Bible memory. Um, some PTSD from that as well. <laughs> um, and we had to, I remember we had to memorize something out of Ephesians 6. It wasn't this verse, but I remember finding this verse and then using it against my dad when he would annoy me. <laughs> I didn't know to do that. But <laughs> didn't think that would go well in my house. So... Um, Let's talk about the seven cardinal sins, because I believe these are all manipulative tactics that parents use to deal with their powerlessness, because really, that's why anybody is trying to be controlling or manipulative. They feel powerless in a situation, so they're trying to take control in the situation. So we understand your powerlessness issues. Um, however, it's not fair to put them on another person, specifically a child. So we just encourage you to deal with this powerlessness that causes you to be manipulative in your parenting. Mm -hmm. So number one, too much talking, lecturing, and nagging. Yeah. I have a feeling this is number one on this list because it's probably the easiest and most popular one that a lot of people do. Um, partially because sometimes it feels like the more you talk as a parent, the more you're getting your point across, or the more you lecture, the more you're getting your point across when, 
I mean, honestly, I just think of, like, those TV shows that is, like, I don't know. I don't even know what show I'm thinking of specifically, but I remember this kid sitting in a classroom and the teacher talking at them. And instead of hearing the teacher talk, you just hear that blah, blah, blah sound. (laughs) And I think sometimes, you know, that can happen because lecturing feels like a need to control what the child is doing and how they're doing it. Is that Ferris Bueller? Probably. (laughs) Probably. I have it in my head, but can't think of it. This is really hard because parents think that if they explain it in great detail, their kids will understand it. (laughs) And that's not really a truth. If they already understood it, they wouldn't have done it. Right. Um, So I say when there is foolish behavior, lecturing and talking and nagging, is not actually going to make a person more wise. What will is boundaries and consequences. So this is the boundary. Remember going back to our previous podcast, mm-hmm. clear and consistent expectations. This is the boundary. If you cross that, this will be the consequence. Um, and allowing kids to experience their own natural consequences too. But lecturing and talking and nagging that none of that actually makes somebody wise right i also think of like the lecturing as like getting an opportunity sometimes parents take it as an opportunity to tell the child of how they were successful in the way this child wasn't from their past and that just kind of belittles the child then it's like oh well i didn't do what mom did I didn't do what dad did and they just told this entire story to me how they did it perfectly that just that's not going to make them do what you want them to do it just is going to make them feel stupid or powerless or yeah I mean that's what also comes to my mind when I think of lecturing yeah it's 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 a tactic that people who feel powerless use to try and get to manipulate a person into complying Um, But again, clear and consistent expectations. You're confident in your parenting. If this happens, this is the boundary. If you're out past your curfew, this will be the consequence. It's not a lecture of why. (laughs) It's not a shaming of why. Mm -hmm. It's not telling them how they have such a good life. And think of people in third world countries. Right. <laughs> it's very devaluating. It's very invalu- invalidating. And I think a lot of people do that. Mm-hmm. I think to try and get the person to be wise, but wisdom is not created through talking. Wisdom is created through boundaries and consequences. Right. Number two, tirades and temper pants. Temper, <laughs> temper tantrums by the parents. Yeah, I would like to know what your take on this is, because I'm trying to figure out exactly what this would look like, personally. Um, I feel like some parents get really, really loud mm-hmm. and blow up when they have been upset by their child. And they are throwing a temper tantrum. Again, this is a manipulative tactic. I feel like I said this, I said this, I said this, you still did this. But bam, Mm -hmm. temper tantrum. Again, I think people 
subconsciously think that if they are loud, sure, a person will hear them more. Right. Yeah. And I think partially this one confuses me a little bit because I do think when when I think of a parent having a temper tantrum, to me that kind of also borders the line depending depending on how loud they get, of there being some type of emotional or mental abuse because it can feel very intimidating to the child and they can feel scared. So I think that's part of it too is like what is your body language during this? What is the volume of your voice? Not only the volume of your voice, but what are you saying? Is there profanity? Is there curse words? Is your frustration coming out towards the kid when maybe you should talk about your frustration to your spouse, your partner, or a friend. So is the temper tantrum more about you getting your emotional needs met or your child? I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I'm never sure. Again, this a lot, a lot of this comes down to deal with your issues, parents, mm-hmm. <laughs> so they don't come out onto your child. Uh, my parents personally... Didn't use tirades and temper tantrums, but I can remember every occasion in my childhood where I witnessed it, whether by a teacher Mm -hmm. throwing a kid up against lockers or whatever. I can remember every single time an adult flipped out and it was scary to me. It did not make me respect them at all. Mm -hmm. It did not make me respect. In fact, I'm not going to be anywhere near you. So uh, again, deal with your issues but a lot of it is based on people needing to deal with their issues separate from their children and to not manipulate their child into complying right because i think when i think of a temper tantrum too this is might get really psychological for you guys but i think if a parent is throwing a temper tantrum like as a parent are you actually seeing yourself in this kid and you're becoming your parent like is that triggering something in you which would go back to maybe go to therapy and figure some of that stuff out like what is it in that you see in your kids sometimes that really make you tick to have this these irrational reactions right so flip out moments go to therapy (laughs) (laughs) right check (laughs) number three Um, tears and guilt trips by the parent is very manipulative. I was just telling Kate about a show I watch with my kids called the Goldbergs. And they were talking about this mother who wrote these lengthy, uh, guilt and shaming letters about to their child to get the child to give them what she wanted. And it happens in real life all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And It's funny because tears are a very overt way of guilting someone. And then Mm -hmm. there's guilt trips, which can be very covert, honestly, or passive aggressive, which can feel like we're somehow secretly telling our child that they should be doing something, but they're not like, I guess, what would be an example? Even something small, like a chore of like, oh, I wish... With them being the only ones in the room, oh, I wish someone would have emptied the dishwasher today. Like, to me, that's a guilt trip. You're making your child feel guilty, but they're feeling very confused. Should I do that now? Did you want me to do that before? So even little things like that, because that's then they're picking up your communication skills, and that's how they're going to start communicating. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, When I first got married, 
whenever I was in an argument with my husband, I would start crying. And he finally said to me, this was in like the first six months. He's like, he's like, so when you start crying, are you trying to manipulate me on purpose or what's going on with that? And I'm like, huh, I hadn't thought about that. (laughs) (laughs) And I I realized when I, when I really owned that, I was like, I stopped doing it. But I think there's a lot of parents out there who still do it Mm -hmm. and they haven't owned it. Right. Yeah. So don't guilt and shame your kids. Say what you want. Say what you need. Don't guilt and shame them into doing it because do you want them to be guilted and shamed into other behaviors by a very severe abusive people later in life? Right. If you use guilt and shame as the way of manipulating them, they will allow other people to talk them into things that they don't want to do. And it sets them up to be in abusive relationships. Yeah. And guilt trips can be so unintentional. I think that's the danger of them is like, that's what you were taught too. It's even like, I don't know. I just think of like an example came to my mind where if you're sending your kid to a private school or you're paying for them to get an education instead of like maybe public schooling and they're coming home with in your eyes, mediocre grades or not, not good grades or D's or something. And you say like, well, I'm paying all this money for you to go to this school. You know, what are you doing? And I, you know, then they feel guilty for, you know, what is actually the core of them getting a bad grade? It's, you know, it has nothing to do with how much money you're paying. (laughs) (laughs) Just little things like that are super unintentional. And I, I hear it all the time from kids or I've heard it from parents when I've done parenting classes. Okay. Threats of number four, seven cardinal sins of not manipulating your kids and your parenting. In number four, (laughs) (laughs) threats of physical abuse, threats of harm, and terror. Pretty obvious. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty (laughs) clear. Um, This would be like a man shoving their teenage son up against a wall and Mm -hmm. getting in their face, yelling loudly. Um, I've seen kids, I've seen parents get into physical fights with their kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, those are our, are your issues. You need to go to therapy. Right. Those are not your child's issues. Right. I understand you feel powerless and your childhood stuff is coming out. But this is very dangerous because you're teaching that kid how to be an abuser. Mm-hmm. Even grabbing them and pulling them, that happens a lot. I mean, teachers do that a lot <laughs> of just out of aggression or frustration. Um you know, you have to learn to walk away, honestly. You have to learn to just take, find that routine where if things are getting heated, you know what you need to do for yourself is to get space and give yourself some time to get that space before you make a mistake. Because we're not saying you won't get angry <laughs> and you won't be tempted maybe to do these things, <laughs> but you have to be able to take care of yourself so your child can feel love and, love and safe, honestly. Okay, Um, number five, inconsistency in parent, between the parents, in in how they parent. Oh, that's a hard one. Mm -hmm. That's a hard one because you have two different people coming from two different worlds Mm -hmm. who see things two different ways and are avoiding different things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Uh, so it's so important that if one parent sets a clear and consistent boundary that number one, if you, if you're not in agreement with it, you need to talk about with your spouse privately till you come up with a win-win solution. Mm -hmm. It has to be win-win solutions so that parent, both parents can engage. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I, I just think this is probably an issue for most parents <laughs> just because you were like Sharon said, raised differently and had different expectations, different means of discipline. I mean, this can even be, do you spank or do you not spank <laughs> things like that? Like, you, uh, what is a curfew? It's not fair for the kid to go back and forth or the kid will learn. If I ask mom this, <laughs> Oh, I'll get this, and if I ask Dad this, I won't get this. Um, so that turns into a plethora of things. <laughs> right. So sometimes parents who haven't dealt with their own childhood issues are manipulative in this way, but it's more manipulative with the other parents. Right. That's what I was trying to get at. Is yeah, inconsistency. They, they maybe they grew up in a home where there was alcoholism and, and abuse, and they're just mm -hmm. scared of the crazy. So any type of discipline feels feels like a trauma moment for mm -hmm. them. And so they avoid dealing with it, but it's manipulation that happens between the parents. Right. Because remember from our manipulation podcast, avoidance can be a type of manipulation. Mm -hmm. So listen to that podcast. <laughs> Um, anything else on that one? No, no, no. Okay, so number six, disagreement in front of the children. Again, this is a manipulation thing that's going on between the parents. Right. That's affecting the children. So the, the parents' lack of unity and lack of working on their issues turns into this manipulative showdown in front of the kids. Yeah, what comes to mind for me is, like, typically a parent, mom, or a dad won't feel backed by the other parent in a decision they're making for the kid, and then they kind of argue about that in front of the kid of, like, why aren't you backing me? You should always be behind me, and then the kid starts feeling guilty that they, he or she is causing this disruption between their parents' marriage, and it just is a lot. So doing it in front of the kid just never, never a good idea. It is not a good idea, but it's a very common triangle that happens in a family system that is dangerous because it teaches the child how to manipulate situations. Mm -hmm. Even the idea of and parents do this. Tell your mother this is what I think. Why are we doing that? <laughs> if, if it's an issue, go to marriage counseling. Have someone else speak between you two. Don't have your kid do this because it, they are going to feel responsible for a lot more than you maybe intend them to feel. So if one parent creates a mandate in front of the kids and you don't agree with it, Ask to speak to that other parent. Go into another room. Um, because sometimes we, sometimes, okay, I'm going to say some of the parents lay down manipulative rules in front of the other parent, counting on the other parent to back them mm -hmm. on crazy. Right. 
And if you can't back crazy, you need to take crazy into another room and discuss it and back it down to what you can both agree on. Right. And it would be empowering for your, if, you know, you realize maybe you spoke too soon and you should have talked to your partner before. It would also be empowering for your child to hear you apologize and say, hey, mommy just said you could do this and laid this down, but I didn't really talk to daddy about this. And I'm sorry, but we have to change it. And that was mom's fault. Like, it's okay to make mistakes and have your kids know you make mistakes. It's true. <laughs> it's so important for them to see good ownership. Good ownership. Say you're sorry. <laughs> right. <laughs> Say you're sorry to your child. <laughs> I'll, have, I'll have kids in here and like, oh, they've never said sorry to me ever. I'm like, what? They make mistakes, and they, you need to own it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're setting your child up for more dysfunction later on. And number seven, I guess that's lack of giving with the children, is is your job, once you, these parents, these children have been released into your life, is to empower them. Mm-hmm. You know, how am I coming alongside and empowering my child? Mm-hmm. I might be spending so much time working on disciplining them and taking the foolishness out of them that I'm not working hard at empowering them. Right. Which could exasperate your child. Right. Yeah, I mean, lack of giving with the children. I I mean, a part of it for me is like when I think of lack of giving with the children, it's like, what does like that time look like with your kid? Like, is it? that we're always lecturing them and making them be the person we think they should be or do the things, or is it just hearing them out, having conversations, spending quality time with them in a way that helps them to be empowered to be their, the version of them best selves and not be exactly who you want them to be. Right. Which kind of goes back to our last podcast Mm -hmm. on um, continuing to give them um, affection through various forms, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're not filling their love tank, you're, and you lay down some kind of crazy manipulative stuff, it's going to be feeling really hard for them to deal with than if you're dealing, if your love tank is full. Mm -hmm. I, I see that in my own life when I'm having interactions with people and they make a very large withdrawal. If there's a lot that they've put into it, it's very easy to allow that to just move on, you know. Yeah. But if they're not depositing large uh, affection, affirmation, you know, all the love languages into me, it's going to be really hard and it's going to feel like trauma to the child. Right. And I, I think when it comes down to it, number seven is kind of also stating, like, being a parent is very sacrificial. Like, it just... It is. I mean, there's not a lot around it. Of Your time is is going to be put towards this child. And you, again, we we're going back to the podcast before this where we ended talking about you need to fill your love tank up, too. And this means self-care and finding out what that looks like for you so that you can be this this parent, this life-giving parent to these kids. Um, and that's not always an easy thing to do depending on the season you're in, but to find out what does it look like to fill my love tank up so I can, it's like that idea of being on an airplane where you have to put your oxygen mask on first before you put your kids on. So it's true. Yeah, it's true. But, um, 
Our job is to empower our children. And I'll have people tell me, well, my dad never did that for me. So I don't, I, I, I'm like, okay, but that's, that's fine that that's what you experienced. That doesn't mean it's the right standard for your child. Mm -hmm. You know, so we're always looking at what's the combination to give to each individual child, because in each home, it's going to be very different. Mm -hmm. Each child is different within that home. So one kid might thrive on homeschooling the other one not at all right what is the best mix for each child i want to figure that out so i don't apply a standard across the rule across the board that's going to hinder some of my children but empower other parts of my children again mm -hmm. it's not really manipulation but it's part of what we need to understand in empowering our children and empowering ourselves to be parents who uh, make our children successful. Right. And I'm, I'm wondering if this number seven is also stating like your love for your child and how you love them is not dependent on their performance. So lack of giving with Lack of giving with the children, so that meaning, like, um, your love for your child isn't dependent on how much they give back to you or their performance in school or how much they or how good they clean their room or how good of a kid they are. You still love them anyways. And so maybe to not state those things um, like, oh, you know, mommy loves you so much when you don't do this or that type of thing. Like, no, you love your kid no matter what. Um, so you don't, you don't have that lack of giving of love dependent on their performance. <laughs> it's true. It's good. It's good. No parent wants to see their parent, their child shrink back. And right. If it's based on their performance and they go through a season, because we all go through seasons. Right that are difficult, mm -hmm. how are they going to be able to continue to move forward if it's based on their performance? Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's all we have for today. Thanks for listening. If you have ideas for us for future podcasts, we'd love to hear them. Contact us at wellspringsolutions.com. Um, so seven cardinal sins of not manipulative parenting. <laughs> I got to figure out a way to say that. Uh, and this is part two of our previous podcast, which was characteristics of successful parenting. Thanks for joining us today. Check out our website. Thanks for listening to emotional and spiritual well-being with Sharon Wegman. For more resources or to have Sharon speak at your meeting or event, please visit wellspringssolutions.com.